Tony, you got it right because Austin Eckler got picked up on the two-yard line. He got picked up. He was trying to kneel to kick a field goal. He gets picked up and thrown into the end zone, and that's how you cover, and you're gloating over, back up the Brinks truck, Tony Squares. That is a joke, sir. That should be graded <laughs> as a push at minimum. A push at minimum for me. I the two-point side at plus two, you idiot. So, yeah, good pick. Not a good cover. That's ridiculous. Good teams win. Great teams cover, Drew. I don't know what you want. Pathetic. I don't know what you want out of me. Uh, we do. Have I want to pick though. you up and throw you in the end zone. That's what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crookson, and we are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and the only gambling show that makes you money. And on today's show... We're going to be recapping the biggest story to hit the NFL in the middle of Monday Night Football, the firing of John Gruden or the resigning, or whatever you call it. We're also going to be talking about the great week of gambling that we three had. Do we deserve a pat on the back? We have a wonderful guest coming on, Mr. Matt Allentuck, to talk about the WNBA Finals and how you can make money on that wonderful series between two of the greatest players the WNBA has ever seen. And as always... We're going to end the show with Gravestones, my favorite segment, your favorite segment, and maybe a little Dr. Dangles in there, too, to talk us through our gambling yeah, ailments. But first, Drew. I need you, Dr. Dangles. <laughs> I was going to say, Drew, week, huh? you are under the weather. But again, it, it, it's a rough week for you, but not a rough week for most. You still went 3-3-1 three, three, and one on the week. You still have the best gambling record on this show. In fact, as a whole show, we did pretty damn well. Dangles, you were 4-3-1. and one. Myself, I was 5-2 and two on the week. A couple of ugly pushes. We were .5 away from hitting a Minnesota teaser from hitting a Cincinnati game. Good job by us all around. I feel like we got a good grip on the system. But Drew, you were sick last week. You stepped down to three, three, and one. How are you feeling today? Uh, a little beat down, boys. I'm not gonna lie. You know, the the the, the cold just never. Uh, I I don't think a combination of um, drinking all day for Michigan football game on Saturday night is probably not the best medicine. Um, or is it the game, best uh, medicine of all? It, again, <laughs> it, it was the best medicine, Dangles. But uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't. I, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I went backwards on Sunday. But after a huge Michigan win Saturday night, I was very excited about that. We're not here to talk about Michigan football, but that was a big win. Um, guys, literally three games uh, that I had in the contest. Three games, all of them, all of them were covering at some point with less than six minutes left in the fourth quarter <laughs> of those three games, I was 0-2-1. And, and I got to give a shout-out to my man, Dangles. He came on the sharp side for his first weekend, and he had a dead nuts side in the Cincinnati Bengals plus three. And I don't want to hear from that Packers fan over there. I don't want to hear it. Listen, <laughs> with all intents and purposes, with four minutes left, there is three – no, I'm sorry, two possible outcomes that can happen in that game. A team can win by three, or it can literally tie, and two out of those three outcomes were winner, winner, chicken dinner dangles, and my God, I I, I bet Evan McPherson, first kicker, uh, first special teams player drafted, uh, a tip from the hitman, I love that guy, he made me money. If I have to see that guy celebrate a missed 40-yard <laughs> field goal because it hit some stupid flag on top of the upright, I about had a brain aneurysm. Uh, <laughs> tough, tough look for Mr. Evan McPherson. Uh, 
we got to push. But yeah, it was just it was just a day of of near misses for me, and I will not talk about my missed teaser until the Doctor Dangle segment. That one hurt me uh, to my core. Can't miss it the can't like miss a, teaser. It, the yeah. can't miss it, teaser. It, well. It, it, would, it wouldn't have missed if you got the right number. Save that's it my for fault. Dr. Daggles. <laughs> Save it for Dr. Daggles. Drew went down to 4-1 and one on teasers. Daggles, you're 0-5 on teasers on the year. But again, you had a winning week. Fucking you did very, Vikings, very man. well on the week. A couple of uh, ugly pushes, close losses. Your New England team almost cost the three of us in the survivor pool, though. They're still looking a little, well, I don't know, a little hairy. They did miss their whole entire offensive line in that game. But how are you feeling heading into week six? Well, I would really like to hit a teaser. Uh, that would be great, <laughs> especially on these weeks where, like, I picked good numbers. Like, I found good games. Yeah. I found numbers, the, the right ones to tease across, like stuff that, that was good out of the, you know, the little basket of games that you kind of gin up and, okay, these are the numbers I want to work with. And I, I really felt good about that. You know, leave it to leave it to Minnesota to need a last-second field goal to beat the lowly Detroit Lions by two points and completely screw that teaser to the wall um you know never a doubt it to minnesota to have that be a game yeah yeah absolutely seriously that that would not have been a game vikings and you would have thought you know you wouldn't have thought that coming out of the patriots game it would be leave it to new england to make that a game one of the worst defensive halves of football i've ever seen that team play in the first half uh an awful fumble at the goal line by damian harris that really uh you know made made momentum swing in the opposite direction I mean, and look, it was great that Mac finally, Mac Jones finally got a chance to command a game-winning drive that, that led to the field goal that ultimately won it for the Patriots. But I think the discussion now has to move away from can Mac Jones do it? Yes, he can. If he's got time, he can make the reads. He can avoid the pressures. Now the discussion has to move to, like, I mean, it, this was supposed to be a game that was supposed to assuage Patriots fans' fears that this team couldn't compete. We were supposed to beat these guys handily. Instead, I'm sitting here going... We allowed 22 points to one of the worst offenses in the NFL and a third round quarter, you know, for a third round uh, rookie quarterback who shouldn't be doing anything out there with practice squad receivers who I've never even heard of before. So I'm sitting here after week five kind of going, you know, can we really compete with these bottom of the barrel NFL teams now? The defense has to be has to be better. They have to be better. Dangles, eventually we're going to get to a point in this podcast where we don't allow you the two minutes to rag on your Patriots because they don't look like they're going to matter very soon. A team that does matter, though, and no, I'm not talking about the 4-1 Green Bay Packers, the 4-1 Green Bay Packers. No, I know that flag's behind me, but if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing the color of my Brinks truck pick, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, the Browns came to oh, play. Oh, no doubter, Tony. No doubter. Great pick, pal. That was an easy pick. <laughs> no, no, you no. moron. No, no, you no. freaking moron. I know. Listen, I, You're I was... gloating over that pick? Are you kidding me? I am absolutely gloating over that pick because I was about to say before you got so angry with me and jumped off screen, I was about to say that the Cleveland Browns came to play in that game. They played so much better yeah. in the run game, especially than I thought they would. But as I told you, I took the better quarterback at home because Justin Herbert... I don't know, man. We might have to do the QB rankings a little early this year because Justin Herbert, to me, is if not, might be the best quarterback in the league after what he's doing. And that head coach calling fourth and eight on his own side of the 30, no fear at all in that whole entire team. And that offense cannot be stopped. Miles Garrett did a lot of work to that Rashawn Slater kid. The cornerbacks were on fire on the hip of these wide receivers and still L.A. Chargers could not be stopped. I love this Charger team. And again... 
I got that right, Drew. What do you want? What do you want from me? Tony, you got it right because Austin Eckler got picked up on the two-yard line. He got picked up. He was trying to kneel to kick a field goal. He gets picked up and thrown into the end yeah. zone, and that's how you cover, and you're gloating over, back up the Brinks truck, Tony Squares. That is a joke, sir. That should be graded <laughs> as a push at minimum. A push at minimum for me. I the two-point side at plus two, you idiot. So, yeah, good pick. Not a good cover. That's ridiculous. Good teams win. Great teams covered, Drew. I don't know what you want. Pathetic. I don't know what you want out of me. Uh, we do. Have I want to, to pick say, you though, up and throw you in the end zone. That's what I want. <laughs> we do have to say though, we have to talk about the biggest news to come out of this week. There were the emails that were leaked about uh, John Gruden talking about the NFLPA director on the day he was getting voted to to renew his term, and then more emails came out in a New York Times article that John Gruden, where he was just using language that is terrible, didn't matter who he was Inexcusable. talking about. He was shooting. He was shooting wherever he could find, all over the place, and he has now resigned from his job as the Raiders' head coach in the middle of Monday Night Football. The Raiders will be having their special teams coordinator take the helm, even though Gus Bradley is there too. I'm sure they're going to work together there. The Raiders' team. We don't know how that's going to affect them in that three and two locker room, coming off of two losses in a row in a game they were terrible against the Chicago Bears team that they should have beaten. Now we have no idea what's going to happen to this Raiders team that had so much hope after a 3-0 and start that offense was on fire. Now Gruden is persona non grata, as Dangle said in our text thread, in the NFL due to these emails. And I have to say, I don't really want to talk about John Gruden. I don't really want to talk about the emails he sent. We all agree that that was disrespectful. You cannot, like, what are you doing? You cannot do that at all. It doesn't matter it's if it's this day and age or the past day Anytime. and age. You cannot do that. But as for the Raiders... Three and two, a big turning point in this season, even bigger right now. And Dangles, I'm going to go to you. You've seen this team. We were all down on this team early and sort of got sold on this team later. They're in a very tough division, especially with KC now having to win every game on their schedule to get back up there. What's going to go on with this Raiders team? Three and two, where do you see them landing at the end of the season? I mean, I think the biggest thing to me is that you can't lose you can't lose your identity as a team, even though you're having this big shakeup in your head coach, because that can cause a locker room to completely lose its, its track. You get a new coaching staff; they might, you know, change up the playbook a little bit. Hopefully, not too much at this point in the season. But I would worry that this locker room might lose its identity. That there's a lack of trust in team ownership just because they allowed this to go on, and who knows? You know, obviously the details are still coming out about who knew what when, but um, and things don't get easier for the Raiders they have to go to Denver next week to take on you know division opponent uh, the Denver Broncos at, at mile high um, so they need to get their so, themselves together quickly in team meetings I'm sure it's going to be a somber tone this week but uh, you know hopefully the message in all the different uh, position group rooms is going to be you know we got to stick this out we still have you know uh, what 13 football games to, uh, 12 football games left to play this season we can't lose sight of who we are and what we've been able to do this season you know the players on the field are, are the players on the field they can go out there and execute you know, if the right game plan is drawn up with with the right, you know, support out there. So hopefully this coaching staff will be able to keep the team together. But honestly, that might that would be my biggest worry is this locker room falling the part apart and that translating onto the field. Yeah. And as you said, that Broncos game, that team is also coming off of a two loss streak after yeah. winning three games in a row. An interesting game, a bunch of interesting game in, uh, on the week six slate that we'll be talking about on the Thursday show and making all of our picks again. Hot gambling show. But Drew, I'll go to you next. Dangle said this team needs to stay with their identity and find their identity. Do you think this could potentially be a everyone comes together moment and they actually grow stronger out of this whole situation? Do you think like Jacksonville, 
there's some people already are halfway out the door. It's impossible to even predict that, Tony. And you can't talk about this Raiders team without talking about John Gruden. I mean, who are we kidding here? I mean, that that guy had his fingerprints all over yeah. that team from personnel to the hiring of Mike Mayock. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about him because, I mean, it's just, you know, Dangle said it great. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not only his, his, his football coaching career is over, but his legacy in general is his first Super Bowl win, his, his, his Monday Night Football uh, legendary uh, uh, run, uh, the Frank Cayano impressions. They're all gone, man. They're just gone. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 just a, it's just a healthy reminder that in this world, uh, the cost of being a good person is, is much more expensive than being a good football coach. So I think Booger said it, Booger said it good at Monday Night Football halftime. He said, you know, it comes in – uh, what you do in the dark comes to light. And, yep. um, it's just a reminder, boys, just, uh, you know, be a good dude because I was, you know, I, I always liked Gruden. Um, I thought it was kind of a joke in his second, second term as a head coach yeah. and think he was, he drafted well, but you know, I, I, we're not here to pile on some, some dude, but it's just, it was just so disappointing and, and just, it sucks and it's, it's sad. And, and to answer your question, Tony, like it's impossible. It's impossible yeah. to predict. I, I do think, you know, Derek, uh, Derek Carr is, a, is, is, seems like a good leader of men. I know, yeah. you know, Roman people reference G- G- Gus Bradley and, 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 you know, Rod Marinelli at least, uh, <laughs> have some qu- qualities of leadership about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you think about that Vegas team, that opening, that opening night uh, in Vegas, mm-hmm. and just, just it was bouncing off the walls in that season. And uh, five weeks later, it's it's gone. And a lot of question marks surrounding that team forever. They've had like, will Derek Carr be the quarterback next year? Will they trade him for someone else? They've had that since Gruden's been there, and that team has not drafted well. They have a lot of question marks along the both lines. They have a lot of contracts coming up. So if you're even a, a, a head coach like an Eric Bieniemy or Brian Dayball looking for that next job, do you want to go? to Las Vegas? Do you want to deal with that? Do you want to be the guy that replaces John Gruden there? It's an interesting situation and just another storyline in this already crazy NFL season. But before we go to Dr. Dangles, Drew did bring up that uh, uh, the Gruden second term was disappointing and he used the word disappointing. And I want to key on that because I want to go through right now. We're now a few games in this season and there are some units that came out this year and we thought were going to be one thing and they just aren't. So uh, Drew, I'll go back to you, my friend. What do you think has been the most disappointing unit or player? or team or coach so far into the NFL season? Well, I was actually trying to pull up some stats, guys. Um, my technology's failing me, but like, do we remember, do we remember all the offseason, all the buzz about the Washington football team, not just the team, the defense, that yeah. front seven. I mean, I said it, Dangle said it, I believe Tony said it. Oh, yeah. Greg Huff, I mean, everyone, everyone. I mean, not, not one person didn't reference this front seven of Washington. And would you believe that the team that has given up the most points in the NFL through week five is that Washington football team. I don't know what happened, but if we backtrack, if we just, again, we're trying to be smart here, guys. We're trying yeah. to really learn from our, our, our gambling ways and our yep. mistakes. If you look back to the second half of last year, that defense was piling up statistics against Ben DiNucci, against just these no-names backup quarterbacks. R.I.P. Ben DiNucci will always remember. Yeah, just unbelievable. So for me... I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff. I'm sure you, I can't wait to hear what you guys talk about as far as just your disappointments. But 
The Washington football team's defensive unit, by far for me, has to be easily the most disappointing thing I've seen all year. No, uh, that's a great one. That's absolutely a great one. My uh, most disappointing unit, I'd say my most disappointing tandem, and it's kind of not their fault completely because of the injuries that have bereft that team, but this Miami Dolphins team was supposed to be somewhat of a contender in Tua's second year, and even with Tua going down, Jacoby Brissett coming in, they just got pieces like Will Fuller and some running back pieces that they felt good about. The offensive line was rebuilt. They had players on the defense. They were cutting cotton. Van Noy because they didn't need him. They had players to replace him. And it's centered around the two cornerbacks. And one of them being a guy who put up a whole stink this offseason about how he should be the highest paid cornerback, not only in the league, but on his own team, Xavier Howard. And the guy had so many interceptions in the past few years, and he made all these plays, and now he's getting paid the way he wants to get paid. And these guys have done awful so far into the season and the worst they've ever played was against that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Antonio Brown went off against one person and one person only, Xavier Howard. And listen, Antonio Brown might go down as one of the best wide receivers of all time. He's already breaking records, even though he's missed years in the league. He's already already the youngest to get X amount of catches, X amount of yards. He's an amazing player. But if you're Xavier Howard and you want to be the best cornerback in the NFL, you cannot let a 32-year-old Antonio Brown beat you down the field for a 61-yard touchdown. You cannot let the 32-year-old Antonio Brown get off the line before you can get a push on him and try to press him. Xavier Howard and that whole entire Miami defensive back tandem has sort of taken away the, the the toughness of playing that Miami Dolphins team. I don't think anyone is fearful of playing the Miami Dolphins, whether it's in Miami or on the road. And that's sad because that's what they sort of were ready to hang their hat on. So to me, Miami, even though they weren't going to be world beaters this year, they were definitely going to be contenders. And now I'm worried that, you know, I, I don't know if the Jets would beat them if they play the Jets tomorrow. That, that Miami team is just really, really sad right now. And that stinks because I wanted the Dolphins to be back. Dangles, where are you going for your most disappointing uh, unit? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Antonio Brown, Tony, uh, because I was just watching recently. They've been doing some of the replays of classic Super Bowls on the NFL Network on off hours. And I was watching a replay of the 09 Super Bowl between uh, the uh, Packers and the Steelers. And, great and Super Bowl. A great Super Bowl. And surprisingly enough, a young Antonio Brown was on that on that Steelers receiving core with Heinz Ward and had, had a big impact on that game. I remember looking and going, I can't believe he's been in the year. That was 11, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I'm yeah. going to his former team, that team that I mentioned in the Super Bowl for my most disappointing unit so far this year. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, yeah. a team that I really thought was going to be very good at the start of the season. I married them in our divisional preview and our MFK. I, I thought I thought that you did too. I think we both thought this was going to be a last dance year for Ben Roethlisberger. He was going to pull out all the stops and, and just unleash that one last glimpse of that Ben Roethlisberger maybe that we knew from from those years like the 09 uh, uh, Super Bowl instead they are they're ranked 24th in the league in overall DVOA they're 31st in the league according to PFF in passing and running grades they're 26th in the league in, to, in um, total uh, yards this season it's just been disappointment after disappointment with the exception of Najee Harris uh, who's been the lone bright spot in that offense and now Juju Smith-Schuster is going to undergo surgery that's going to end his season you lose one of your you know your top receivers Deontay Johnson's in and out with injuries this team is just 
just had a litany of bad, you know, bad luck combined with low grade play from their quarterback who they needed to be great to make this offense go. And we've talked enough about the offensive line. Everybody knows they're bad. Um, so I'm, I'm disappointed for Pittsburgh Steeler fans uh, getting this one, what they maybe thought was going to be a one last ride with Ben Roethlisberger. And instead it looks like they're going to kind of fade into me- mediocrity to below averageness. Now this, this last dance with Ben Roethlisberger is like that fifth minute of stairway to heaven when you're dancing with your date and it kind of goes into the guitar solo and you're like, do we still keep doing this dance? It kind of doesn't match the rhythm that we're hearing. It's terrible. But it's he's going to be in. They've in said he still, as far as we know, Mike Tomlin thinks he gives them the best chance to win every week. He might not be wrong about that considering the other options. I'd probably start a ham sandwich before I started uh, uh, Mason Rudolph or or Dwayne Haskins uh, over Ben Roethlisberger. But it's it's not good to be a Steelers fan right now. now uh, Dangles, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all about the Steelers, Tony. But didn't you say, Tony, of all people, the over-under on the Steelers is 8.5, right? Yeah. And and they are sitting at two and three, and that's a team that I don't understand. I mean, I can't stand to watch them, and I totally <laughs> agree with your offensive sentiment, Dangles. It just seems like, for whatever reason, that team might be in the second week of December and be like seven and seven or eight and I I I, I, I don't know, but their but their offensive unit is so bad. bad, and I and again, and what do we talk about in the AFC AFC North preview? Um, that division is getting a lot better, guys. It's getting a lot better. Absolutely, uh, the Ravens aren't going anywhere and the Bengals clearly are getting better and the Browns I, I I'm telling you that team is going to be built for January so tough look for Big Ben and the, the crew the good thing for my bets on Pittsburgh I had the eight and a half I also had probably my best bet I believe it was my lock was Pittsburgh to make the playoffs at the plus money that they had it's still seven teams make the playoffs and right now gun to my yeah, head possible. I can only pick six I can only pick six out of the AFC. Pittsburgh very well could sneak into that seventh, they've got seventh a, slot. They've still got to play the Ravens twice. They have the Chargers in Los Angeles still to play. Uh, they got the Browns in two weeks in Cleveland. They got to play them again. Um, it's not going to be an easy road. And the Bengals, uh, they still have a game just, against the Bengals on there. And they out already nine. lost one against the Bengals. So just you know, it's not going to be an easy road there for sure. But I can tell Drew is steaming. I know we've gone on for too long. He needs some help from the good doctor. We do have a wonderful guest, Matt Allen, to talk about the WNBA playoffs. But first, we're going to Dr. Dangles, and that is coming up next. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. All right, coming up in just a little while, we have uh, Matt Ellen Tuck from the Gaming Society. He's going to preview the WNBA Finals with us. It's Candace Parker versus Diana Taurasi. Mm. The uh, Mercury took game one. We'll preview game two, tell you how you can make a little bit of money off of that game, and tell you about some of the big, big storylines here. you got two of the biggest, big players to ever play the game, arguably two of the GOATs, going head-to-head in the WNBA Finals. But Doctor, it's that time. But, uh, may I interrupt you before you go into it? I know you got your whole intro, but I, we do have Drew here. He wasn't a part of the Matt Allen Tuck conversation, but I do want to get your opinion, Drew. I know you just had the baby boy Colt, and we love him. He's making picks weekly on our socials. He's in the circuit contest. But if you just had that kid, like go back a few months, you just had that kid, and then the next day you had to play game one of the NBA (laughs) Finals or WNBA Finals, do you think you could pull it off like Diana Taurasi did? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was the correct statement. answer. That was the correct answer. Uh, the and, answer is no. And and with that, uh, it's time for that part of the week uh, where we get real and we get raw and we feel our feelings. We talk about our bad bets, or maybe we don't talk about our bad bets. I'm not trying to force anybody here. Uh, I should say Dr. Dangles is not trying to force anybody here. Uh, but let's get real. Let's feel our feelings. It's time for another soul-searching, soothing mm-hmm. edition of Dr. Dangles. Mm. Mm-hmm. Schaefer oh. the Sharp and Tony Squares, thank you both again for, for coming back for uh, for another session. I do want to uh, mention that there's been a, an ever so slight increase in my rates um, going forward. Uh, you can take that up with your insurance company, um, but I just want to sort of make that sure. make that the clear. sharp The Sharp's uh, got me on this one. The Sharp the sharp is going to have to I get do. you on this one because, well, I'm wondering... Shield, wondering if we have a lot to talk about today because i you know my understanding is 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 uh, mr the sharp that you've been on quite the heater recently um so mm-hmm. what would you what would you like to talk about today and how, how how can we best use our time doctor do you happen to see the weight of the world uh it's I, on my shoulders uh, is it? it's okay. on my shoulders right it. here i think i see it now um so i'm gonna keep this uh as generic but also as personalized as i can but i'm having real uh trouble at home i'm having trouble at home doctor sorry sorry to hear that um thank you and uh yes i was on a heater and then i proceeded to uh swing and miss on numerous picks in in the contest this week but that's not what i'm actually here to talk about i'm talking about my family life uh uh i bet against my team and not only did i bet against my team i teased against my team and, uh, you know, I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, I knew they probably were going to cover, but then I was like, well, at least I'll hit my teaser and stay undefeated. And then Alexander Madison fumbles mm-hmm. and we score. And how am I supposed to feel? I can't, I, I can't navigate my feelings, doctor. I'm like, wait, the, they're going to screw up my teaser here. Oh, Dan Campbell, of course he's going to go over two. Oh, of course he's going to get it. So now we're leading. So now the Lions get it. So, so, okay, so now we're going to win. Okay, this is good. But 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 what happens? No, 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 no. They come down, the Vikings, I mean, the, the people, the, the, the purple pe- people eaters, mm-hmm. the purple penis eaters, and, and they actually kick a 56-yard field goal when to cover a spread, mind you, about two two minutes ago, the guy just 49 yards just wasn't enough. It looked like my nine iron on a 150-yard par three, okay? So they kick it into the upright to win the game. So help me understand this, doctor. So I bet against my team in a teaser. They don't cover the teaser, but they don't win the game. But yet the teaser's two and a half. You hear what I'm saying? I, I am messed up. I, I am jumbled inside. Help me. Well, help me. You know, I I think honestly, I, I think this might be a situation of of, of framing, um, and looking at it differently, and maybe not framing it as I bet against my team, but framing it as I bet on the Vikings, mm. and I think we had a conversation in a previous session about <laughs> betting on the Vikings, oh my uh, God. and and how that how that that doesn't really ever work out in our favor because they're just not a good team. They don't seem to be able to, to, to cover any spreads at no. all or any year. teasers or any teaser spreads for that matter. They can't even cover when we're giving them help. So yeah. if you, I think, I think, I think the, the lesson maybe here is that if, you know, 
you got to learn to help yourself before before you help others. And if we're helping others by teasing the Vikings down, maybe maybe our focus should be inward and on on how we can tease ourselves up and pick better <laughs> and pick and choose and choose different spreads in the week, mainly ones that don't involve the Minnesota Vikings. May I? May I will I, always choose to tease myself up, Doctor. Thank you. Go ahead, Squares. That may, was awesome. May I add parenthetically, and I know I am not a doctor, but I think I have sort of a phrase that would sort of help Drew out in this situation. Yes, that uh, Karma's a bitch, Drew. <laughs> uh, well, let's. I, I'll we, reaffirm myself to tease myself up. Tease the yourself that was up. Excellent. I think that's a that's tease a good life up. advice. Tease yourself up. Uh, and you have to look at it as, as, you know, look, we made a mistake, but we can't, what's, you know, the def what do they say the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? So I think yeah. this is something we can work on going forward uh, and not teasing the Vikings, not betting the Vikings. And uh, I think that's, uh, we're, well, we're short on time here. Tony Squares, do you have, do you have anything you'd like to, to broach with us before we, before we call it today? I'm feeling great, Doc. I went four and one in King of the Coast. I'm on fire. I'm a okay. Thanks, though. Great. Well, I still uh, I still get paid at the end of the day. That's our time. Love you, you, Drew. Both for, thank you both for coming uh, coming Thanks, to our guys. session today, and we look forward uh, to seeing you next time around, and where we'll have I hope just an equally open and and safe and welcoming spaces as we did today. And thank you both for helping to facilitate that. All right. Up next, Matt Ellen Tuck from the Gaming Society will preview the WNBA Finals Game Two. Tarasi versus Candace Parker. It's going to be fun. West, West, West Coast Gamblers. Our guest today is the head of editorial at the Gaming Society and one of the leading voices out there covering the WNBA on the social, social sphere. In fact, the WNBA Twitter just did a commercial about him where you could see him on the bleachers sending out hot takes. Uh, it was a very, very interesting commercial. Wow. I loved every second of it. But he's here today to help us break down the WNBA files between the Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Mercury and tell us why not only we should be interested in the game, but also how you could potentially make some money on this series. We're very excited to have him on the show. He's a friend of the pod. And he's coming on for the first time ever, and he looks great in a fuzzy green jacket. So please welcome to the show, Mr. <laughs> Matt Allentuck. Welcome, my friend. What's up, friends? Thanks for joining us, man. This is going to be fun. Got a big, big series to talk about here. Like a series no, none of us thought was going to happen, but hell yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was looking at that. I've been following the end of the season and following the playoffs. It's been a lot of fun to watch, but the five seed and the six seed are meeting in the finals. And usually if you have that in the NHL, the NBA, that's kind of a letdown. But these two teams with Candace Parker on one side, Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner on the other side, a bunch of names on both of these teams. Is this kind of the best case scenario for the WNBA? Or do you as a fan think like you're kind of missing out on the better teams meeting in the finals here, like the Connecticut Sun or someone else? I feel like this year, I mean, the top six seeds were all really competitive teams stacked with a lot of stars and i don't think that was always the case i think in prior years when we had like one two or one three matchups it was all kind of assumed it was going to end that way from the very beginning of the season but parity has changed i mean there there are new rules within the cba that was just started from a couple of years ago that allowed a lot more movement and free agency so this is the perfect product, right? You've got a chaotic playoffs that led the five and the six seed in the finals. So I think it's a lot of fun. I, I think it's a blast. The the game five that Tarasi won to send her team to the finals was a wonderful theater 
to watch unfold. And Game 1 in the WNBA, we're in the middle of that. Game 2 is coming up tonight on Tuesday. Game 1 was kind of a blowout. Some of the people blame the Mercury being fatigued in that match. Do you think Game 2, with a few days off for both of these teams, we're going to have a more competitive matchup? Or the sky sort of uh, uh, sort of over uh, overmatched here in this in this finals matchup? Well, I will say that Diana Taurasi mid-game was asked about fatigue, and then she said, we're not tired. We're straight up just getting our ass kicked. And yeah. <laughs> she wasn't lying. I mean, it was it was a, a thorough stomping in game one. Uh, game two will be interesting. I think a lot's going to depend on whether the Mercury's one of their best bench players, Sophie Cunningham, if she ends up playing. She didn't play in game one with a calf strain. And Phoenix is really good at the top of their depth chart, but they're not a very deep team. So losing her, I think, had... Uh, a big impact on the game one output. If she's there, Chicago's going to have to switch things up defensively. They're not going to be able to slouch off her as they do other players because she's a great shooter. So I don't know. I think if Sophie plays game two, the series might shake out a little differently. If she's not there, I am a little worried if Phoenix can keep up. You mentioned role players, and there certainly are a lot of them, it seems, beyond you know the big names. You know, you've got uh, Courtney Vandersloot on the sky, obviously, but less of a role player. She's kind of a star. And, um, you know, Allie Quigley and Shea Petty, some of these these girls on this team that are going to help, you know, round this out. But obviously, the two biggest names we're talking about here are Diana Taurasi and Candace Parker. They've both been WNBA Finals MVP. They've both been league MVP. MVP, Tarasi, obviously the league's leading scorer. They just have incredible resumes, both of them. Both arguably, you know, could be argued the greatest of all time in the sport that they play. What what do you think this finals sort of portends for their legacies, depending on what, what the outcome is in, in either direction? I think it's a lot of fun because I think both are kind of playing with house money to a degree. Like they're both going to go down. They're already named top 25 players. When it's all said and done, they're probably both top 10 players and they both have already won championships. So the burden is off their shoulders mm-hmm. a little bit, but they've been really competitive for their entire careers against each other. It's no secret that they aren't each other's best friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that mm-hmm. that's going to add a lot of fuel to this series. I mean, Diana, it's crazy that Diana's here. I mean, it, she's 39 <laughs> years old. And she's still one of the best players in the world. She had a fractured sternum a couple of months ago. She has a fracture in her foot right now. She's playing through a high ankle sprain. Um, Nothing about her really makes sense ever. It's very Brady-like almost, the way she's able to play through injury and just defy age and all logic with her ability. It makes no sense. (laughs) And, like, obviously what Brady's doing is incredible at 44, but – He's not doing the same like motions and movements no. that a basketball player is doing. So for a basketball player to play into her late 30s is pretty nuts. And on Candace's side, listen, she won her one title in L.A., but having a second title would definitely bolster her resume a lot, especially uh, doing so for a second team. And not only a second team, but her hometown team, which is the reason she mm. came back to Chicago after 14 years in Los Angeles to start. So they're both kind of playing with house money, but it's. It's going to be competitive. They definitely want, and they probably want the other person to not win the championship more than they want to win their own. So it's funny. So you brought up Sophie Cunningham, and we mentioned some other names. Obviously, there's the big names, but there's there someone in particular that you think can steal game two or make a big difference in the series as a whole that's not getting enough press? Man, it's interesting because I might have said Kian Earth was that person for Phoenix until she went down in game five of the semis and tore her ACL, which really was just Ugh. horrible crap timing. Um, but 
It, I mean, it, it's probably going to be, it's an obvious one, but it is Brittany Griner. Um, I think at the end of game one, Phoenix utilized her a little bit more than they had in the beginning parts of the game. And she's their biggest weapon. She's a six, nine like scorer in the post and Chicago did a great job doubling her. And, um, you know, the, they didn't have as much shooting now that Kia was out and that Sophie was out. So they were able to succeed that way, but, if Sophie comes back and adds another weapon, it means that Chicago can't double team Brittany Griner as often. And if Brittany Griner is in single coverage, she's going to win almost all of those matchups. So I really think Brittany Griner is probably going to be the key that unlocks everything else for Phoenix's offense. You can't teach she, You really can't. She has touch too, though. Like no, she's yeah. not just oh, a beast yeah. in the paint, which she is, but she has a mid-range game that is and parked she and, and she's one awesome. She didn't always. And that's been a big yeah. part of her recent development. And, I think in the past two years, I think BG has realized that about her game because teams found ways to mitigate Phoenix. Um, you know, Phoenix hasn't been in the finals since 2014, even though they've had Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi this whole time. And teams have found ways to guard her because she didn't really have that mid-range. Um, she wasn't as good of a free throw shooter either. And she exploded this year. I mean, to me, she was the second best player uh, behind John Paul Jones in the entire league. So uh, she's the key. She is their best player. I love I love John Quell Jones. As Matt knows, uh, I've dove into the NBA Top Shot world, and me and Matt Allen Tuck have together do- dove into the WNBA Top Shot world. And yours truly happened to get both the MVP and the Rookie of the Year in his WNBA pack. Very happy hey, about that. this. Love hey. me some John Quell Jones. Speaking of getting rich, I do want to try and make some money on this game and on this series. Game two is Tuesday. That's the only game we have lines on right now. Phoenix is a, a four-point favorite on the point spread. At the Gaming Society, you guys are out there trying to teach sports fans how to be betters, what the point spread means, what the total means, how all these numbers work, because it's getting more and more popular across the country. But in this game, Tuesday night, Phoenix minus four, is there any way you're leaning on the spread here? And it's so funny because in... The semifinals, I feel like everyone learned the good and the bad about what Phoenix's offense does. Like they outscored Vegas by like 53 points in a two game stretch and then lost the next game by 17 because it really just depends <laughs> how well they're actually shooting from three point range. But I will say, if I'm going to editorialize a little bit, I don't think that Phoenix is going to let a second game at home slip. I do think mm. Diana Taurasi knows when it's her moment to just completely take over. And it feels like game two really has to be that moment. Hopefully she's gotten a little bit more rest since uh, the birth of her kid at 4 a.m. the day before game one yeah, of the no WNBA final. Just shake it off and play, so, like, right? It's insane. only a life-changing Listen, moment. <laughs> sim- similar to the, to the foot fracture and the sternum fracture and the ankle sprain, you just kind of shrug off the baby for a little bit. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I really think Phoenix is going to be able to to cover that spread in game two. I think Sophie is really going to unlock a lot of small things, even if she herself isn't the one scoring. So it's a five-game series. You have it being tied one-to-one after game two. Are you leaning in any way who's going to win this and how many games it's going to take? Putting you on the <laughs> spot, I know. This yeah. is why we have you here. It's tough. I don't see Phoenix going down in a sweep i do think chicago is the much deeper team and they really peaked at the right part of the season which is nuts because i had written this team up a long time ago i would assume a lot of other they were people 500 did as well in the regular were, season i mean you know what i mean That's- they were a 500 team in the regular season Listen, when, when candace was hurt for a good portion of the season that's where the losses mm-hmm. came and obviously with that with candace they're a whole different unit but I still don't think anybody thought they were going this deep. They had to survive two single elimination rounds, which are always just so gutsy. Who the hell knows? Um, 
I think as of right now, I think Chicago's going to pull out the series. You're thinking like a 3-1, a 3-2? Because I'm looking at the uh, series props right now on DraftKings, and you can make that bet right there. It's only a five-game series. You can make the exact outcome bet. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make some money here, Matt. Oh, man, just you have to make sure that Diana doesn't hear the pod. If Diana hears the pod, the series is going to change. She's a huge fan. She is well, a huge fan of the West Coast Gamblers. on the birth of your child. <laughs> <laughs> she's so wild. Man. Did you guys see Game 5 of the Finals, where, of the semifinals, I mean, where she started a fight um, yeah. with Jackie Young of the Las Vegas Aces, who Jackie Young is known for being one of the quietest people in the league like everyone really likes her because she's just like the nice quiet girl who's really good at basketball too but she's just she's very nice she's very easygoing and diana lord knows what was said (laughs) i know it wasn't jackie's fault it was definitely diana's fault but this is what she does like when she needs an extra edge she stirs up something in her opponent to set her off and diana's just like she comes from like a whole different type of mentality. It's truly wild. I love it. I love it. So you got, uh, we got maybe a one-one series heading into it. Excited to see how it turns out. I'm leaning Phoenix minus four as well. I'm very excited to watch it. But thank you, my friend, for coming on the podcast and talking us through the WNBA Finals, giving us some insight on this great sport. I'm excited to watch how it all turns out. Where can the fans find you on the socials, my friend? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My name is literally my first initial and last name. So it's at M. Ellingsuck. That's it. And of course, they can subscribe and read your work in the Gaming Society newsletter, the Bet on Women you newsletter better, that comes out twice a week. If you are listening to this, please do it. Hit the subscribe button. It costs you no money and it gives us happiness. It's a fair trade. And who knows? Maybe uh, yours truly might be adding some work to that newsletter as well. Only time will tell. But again, thank you for coming on the pod, sir. We of love to course. have you. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I know what I'm taking in the WNBA files. I can't wait to watch it. I'm all on Team Diana Taurasi. I'm gonna. She's like Tom Brady, and I've always said I'm going to stay in the boat of Tom Brady till it sinks. Same thing with Taurasi. I'm with her all the way. But we are here now for Gravestones. It is the part of the, uh, of the show every week where each of the hosts here takes an NFL team and puts them into the ground saying they will not make the postseason this year. We've done this for a few weeks now, so we have a few uh, teams in the tank. Myself, I've killed Detroit, the Giants, and Chicago. Not looking too good on Chicago. Dangles killed Detroit, Philly, and Houston. Drew, you've killed the Jets, Houston, and the Giants, and we've all killed Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. The reason why we have different teams in here is because we go in order of how we did the King of the Coast. If a host kills a team, the next host cannot kill that same team that week. And the order this week is yours truly, hottest gambler on the show, then Dangles, and then Schaefer the Sharp taking up the caboose for the first time all year. But the church bells have rung. The, uh, the priest is beckoning us in there. Hopefully it's not a midnight mass situation. We'll all come out okay, but we are about to go into the chapel, so let us bow our heads. It is time for Gravestones.
speaking with my good friend, Sir Kenneth Lloyd Chestnut of the West End Gamblers. And he convinced me to go on the New York Jets plus two and a half touchdowns, over two and a half touchdowns. He believes in young Zachariah Wilson. He believed in Jameson Crowder and the weapons that they had. And he believed in Robert Sala leaving a defense without playmakers to actually make plays. And then the Atlanta Falcons killed them without half of their offense showing up in London. And it leads me to today, where I'm sad to say Sir Kenneth will shed a tear because the mean green Jets are not making the playoffs this NFL calendar year. That's another rhyme for Tony Squares and another kill for the New York Jets. May they rest in peace. This week, I'll be killing the Miami Dolphins. Straight this to the is point. A, straight to the point. This is a team last year that led the NFL Scott Hansen. in takeaways. And if you're struggling on offense, your defense can help keep you in games. If you can force some turnovers, they can give you an opportunity to win. This Miami defense has not been forcing turnovers. In fact, they've been giving up gargantuan amounts of points. 35-point shutout loss to the Bills, and now this past week they gave up 45 points, granted, to a very good Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. But still, when Brian Flores is saying he's concerned about the defense, Brian Flores, Patriots legend and noted defensive guru, there's trouble a-brewing in South Beach. The Miami Mm -hmm. Dolphins are not making the playoffs of this NFL season. May they rest in peace. The saddest part about that eulogy is you said Brian Flores was an ex-Patriots legend. <laughs> I'm also going to go with an ex-Patriots, ex-Patriots legend, Matt Patricia. <clears throat> and uh, according to all Patriots fans, and his replacement, <clears throat> Mr. Dan Campbell. And I'd like to stand for this. When you see your players give all that they have, and you lose that way, it's it's tough. And you don't want it for him. But we'll be better for it. From biting kneecaps to wiping tears. I love this man. I love what he'll do for my family and my son in the future. Dan Campbell, I will go for I will go to war for you, but we are not going to the playoffs this year, and that officially will put the motor city kitties in the graveyard her in peace pussycats singing the Honolulu blues and that is the end of Gravestones West West Coast Gamblers and after that after we've said goodbye to Dan Campbell and the Lions putting them in the graveyard that is the end of the West Coast Gamblers. We'll be back on Thursday with all of the bets for week six of the NFL season. I can't believe it's already week six. We have another London game. We will hear from the West End Gamblers once again. And finally, I'm going to make sure it happens. We're going to see Shea for the sharpened lipstick for his Brinks truck pick. You ready for that? (laughs) 
You owe us. I've you owe ready. us one. You owe our fans, I've more importantly. Ready. I was born ready, boys. I hope you picked out a nice shade. For shave for the sharp. For shave for the sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and for Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. My name is Tony Cavallo. We are the West Coast Gamblers, and as always, thank you for listening. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.